everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I'm Jack P here, one of your hosts, just chilling, having a LaCroix. Just finished recording with Dan. Today was a big day. We had the CPI. We had Feds Bullard talking about a 1% increase in the rate by July. There were ramifications, shall we say. But we'll get through them. The volatility is good for everybody. A rising tide lifts all ships. That's a phrase I've heard before, and I think it applies here to some extent. So enjoy it. Get out there and uh, do well. After we do that, we'll dedicate some time to brackets. That's right, trading brackets. They're a feature on all your trading platforms. They're a great way to manage risk, but they also can be used, I shouldn't say for evil. It's not evil. But they're sometimes used in ways that don't work in the real markets. And guess what? We did a little experiment. We placed some trades on Live and Sim at the same time. And let's just say the results were different. Won't give away the ending now, but enjoy the show. Good afternoon, traders. Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast. I am Dan Hodgman, sitting down with Jack Pelzer. This is Thursday afternoon. Jack, how are you? Good. I'm going to stop showing up if the market crashes every Thursday we do this. So uh... <laughs> You're always showing up drinking something. Last week, I thought it was a beer. It looked like a Coors Banquet for a quick second, but then I saw the LaCroix. I'm shilling for a number of brands now. That was a uh, Lagunitas Hoppy Refresher, uh, non-alcoholic beverage. This is a uh, LaCroix. Pamplemousse. The Pamplemousse is Pamplemousse, man. It's the best LaCroix out there. I've got a friend who's got yeah. a bathing suit that is Pamplemousse, and he wears it all summer long. Sick. It's a Wisconsin brand, right, LaCroix? That I, I have no idea. That I have no idea. I mean, it, Big thing. it would sound like a Wisconsin company because it says LaCroix. We got LaCrosse, LaCroix. Makes sense, Oh, yeah. Right? I got stories about there, <laughs> but first... Uh, Dan will do a little update for today. Absolutely. We got markets moving. You got crude oil this morning ripping this morning off the open. You got the rip lower. We went and checked overnight lows. Um, that market recovered really nicely. Shot all the way up to 91.50. We got a nice $2 range. Ending the day, closing all the way back down to settlement price in that market. So some two-way opportunity. That's what we dream of traders, in my opinion. I love when the markets get two-way for us. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to be a part of. But we got the big news, Jack. And I think that's kind of topic number one here today. We got to talk the CPI. We got to talk about this potential uh, 100 basis point raise in rates, which is really what's got the effect on the rest of these markets here. I mean, everything is down. Uh, Euro made a nice move to the upside, but that one resolved back to uh, neutral. Treasuries down, S&P down, NASDAQ down, gold down. There's some fear out there. Yeah, uh, treasuries, you know, Everything with rates, the whole market's expectations, right? And it was an interesting move today to remember out there because the number comes up this morning. The CPI was 7.5, which was, you know, ahead. But the market, I recall, was uh, the equities were up at the time. But what moved everything was uh, the St. Louis Fed President Bullard uh, suggesting that rates could go, he could raise a whole percent by July, which is well beyond what was expected before that. So we saw an instant crash there. Hogue um, sent out a message. I thought the world was ending, but we were just talking. It was an interesting movement where stocks broke, kind of bounced back, pushed lower. It seems everyone's kind of indecisive. And with the Fed, especially, if you look at their past predictions of rates and hikes, 
it never turns out that way. So no. that's where I'll leave that for now, Dan. And let's keep in mind what they kind of been talking about. They've been talking about raising rates by end of year. Um, July just kind of cuts that potential move in half. We'll see what happens there. You know, don't hang your laurels on it. Uh, it's sending in a little bit of fear. But you know what? We also have the CPI number, 7.5% year over year. Um, biggest inflation since, what was it, 1982, I believe. So we are, uh, we're seeing some big numbers there. Yeah, and a thing to remember is that we always say bonds are smart money. The uh, U.S. 10-year Treasury, and I did say back on an episode a couple of episodes ago that 2% is a big number. It's through 2%. But if you are turbo afraid of inflation, for instance, just keep in mind, just to have like a check on yourself, if the 10-year rate is at 2% and the current CPI number is at 7.5, that strongly suggests that uh, the smart money, so to speak, thinks that this is going to correct a little bit. It's a little bit different than, uh, well, it's similar to this. In the early 80s, we had these supply shocks. I wasn't there, but I've been told uh, <laughs> involving oil and things like that. It's a slightly different economy now. I'm not saying it's not a problem and it's not super important, but I wouldn't go, you know, all in on some of these things yet, just playing pure inflation. Not yet. And something to keep in mind, too, when you look at treasuries, right? They're I'm a huge guy of correlations. That's kind of my background when I came into treasuries. I looked at you know what equities were doing to get an idea of what treasuries were going to do. It was kind of always using utilizing correlations. And so one of those correlations or inverse correlations is if you see yields starting to creep higher, look for treasuries to move lower. It's a good indication. They're not always going to be perfect. I'm not going to say which one's the leader, which one's the laggard. It's not going to always work that way. Um, but if you see yields and talk about yields continuing to rise, you should look for treasuries to kind of break. And that doesn't mean people are panicking. There's just transition. Do, do, do you mean stocks there or treasuries? Because if yields rise, the uh, treasuries will certainly break. Because That's the what price I was saying. Goes d- okay, yes, yes. Yes. Those will be 100%. What yeah. I, I, I guess I'll clarify. I used to use, yeah. like, I'm spoos were always the number one thing I looked at walking on the floor every single day. If spoos were up, you know, we'd see, hey, spoos are up, look for treasuries to break. If spoos were down, look for treasuries to rally. But they're the major correlation that you want to pay attention to or inversely correlated are yields versus treasuries, right? Yields up, treasuries break, vice versa. Yes. And uh, everything else out there, you know, we talked oil. Um, gold has not necessarily been going crazy or something like that. Bitcoin has proved to be or all the cryptos, a uh, there's not much evidence of them being an inflation hedge at this point. It's more of a speculative thing. Um, you, we got to talk it. about the uh, biggest heist in heist history. You mentioned Bitcoin. Um, a young couple just got busted for stealing $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, they were laundering it. Uh, Dan, did you watch any of the videos they're tiktoks they're like tiktok woman. stars right she oh god dan if you haven't seen these and if you're watching this youtube stick around and watch us and then go watch this like <laughs> let me just let me fill you in on this uh young lady uh she's a forbes contributor which i'm sure they're thrilled about but she describes herself she's like a uh, entrepreneurial influencer slash rapper and her rapping it's incredible performance art um it's something you have to see to believe um and i saw a lot of comments uh when 
this came out basically to the extent that if uh, if this person's stealing your money, you might have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> No, I have not seen the videos. I saw that she called herself a TikTok rapper. I didn't know there was more to it. Um, I, I just caught the headline today. I haven't looked into it. I have no clue the specifics behind it. Saw this headline. It was a younger couple, and they were TikTokers. That's what I got. Um, I if was I blown stole, away. If I stole $3.6 billion, I think the last thing I would try and become is like an influencer in something else. It's, it's completely insane. I think the whole uh, influencer class is going to be the end of us all. Like that's, I never had any intentions to just go move to the woods or something, but I swear when a Ukrainian boss girl rapper steals $3 billion, makes me think it's time to pack it up and leave. Right. I, I've had, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've had that dream of uh, go living in the bush for like half my life. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If I, well, and be- I'll tell you, if I get 3.6 billion um, to my name, I can tell you this much. I'm disappearing from the world anyhow. You're not going to hear from me, especially if I stole it. I'm gone. You're never going to find me ever again. Like off the grid, some random island in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> like that's how I'm living. Like building this giant mansion, but it's you're not going to see it because it's like, you know, how like in, in The Hobbit where they live in like the, the hills. Just oh, like okay. this giant mansion. I mean, I, if, I'm, I'm making this all up as I go here. Um, you, you okay. never really I thought get. about having 3.6 billion to my name. <laughs> It'll be super interesting in the coming years to see how it's revealed, what sort of technologies and so forth are at the disposal of law enforcement or private investigators or whoever that are able to find these things. Cause I thought the whole point of it was supposed to be like, it was gone. I mean, there's, there's some, poor guy who's got a hard drive you've heard this story right there's this guy who's it's probably worth 50 million dollars now of bitcoin on a hard drive and he has like he forgot the password and he has one more opportunity <laughs> i don't know why. i well the you've got me my head's kind of spinning because i've been re-watching big bang theory and i watched an episode i believe it was yesterday where in big bang theory they like went back in time and remembered that they were mining Bitcoin. And this was at a couple years ago, probably 10 years ago. It was like 5,000 bucks a coin. And I'm kind of laughing at the whole, and it was the same thing. It was like, we moved it from computer to computer. We ended up putting it on a flash drive, lost that flash drive. And we lost all that Bitcoin. Like that's definitely how many stories of that are out there. Yeah. Well, speaking of stories that can go both ways, uh, we're talking about brackets today. And, um, I think this is going to be especially important for anybody who's it's important for people that are trading outright futures, Forex, whatever, but especially if you are somebody that's in a funding program like Top Step or you know trading on a sim because we actually have some uh, research we finally did into it and have some interesting examples and so forth to talk about. But first, uh, Dan, I thought maybe you can go through kind of what the allure is of using brackets and whether you use them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think a lot of traders out there, the first thing you're taught, you know, use some sort of bracket system. I think where it comes into question, when you're trading in a volatile market, having too tight of a brackets, you're going to trade in sim and you're going to get one thing, right? You're going to see one thing on the simulated side. Um, Some platforms, they change how they input those orders if the market's already moved. So like, it's not a perfect 
thing when you buy one at the market and then you have an auto bracket clicking in that market might be flushing down and you're buying one and it's going to put that stop in and you're going to get a fill price at a price that actually didn't get traded so that market's going to move right through but you're it's going to the sim's going to tell you got filled and it, and at the end of the day like when you're in sim those are the things you really notice until you get live and i can't tell you how many times i've talked to people um about being in the this when they went from sim to live we're like they'll call and be like hey i had my brackets on and i keep getting rejected this never happened to me in sim well how tight's your brackets oh you know what i'm trading nasdaq and i have a 10 tick stop on my brackets i'm like well we all know how quickly 10 ticks can move like i have the nasdaq dome up right now it's 312 and it's up and down 10 ticks like it's nothing right we see this so often and so if your brackets are too tight it's gonna flush them uh and sim you get that fill yeah, I think it's important to define a few terms here in case people are just starting and then also to kind of talk about what constitutes tight. Um, for starts, so a bracket, just so we're all clear what we're talking about is in most, in all platforms, you have the opportunity to set it so that if you put in an order, once that order is filled, you have set your uh, loss limit and your profit limit, and it'll just automatically put those two orders in. And what uh, we've seen a lot is uh, people being too tight with those, especially in the NQ, where they act like it's crazy when we suggest like, oh, you should have at least 20 ticks. I mean, it sounds, the number 20 sounds like a lot, but you know, 20, it's 100 bucks. Think, yeah. It's, it's only, you know, five points out of index that's worth, uh, you know, 14,680 and a <laughs> yeah. half as, as we speak. Uh, it's, it's going to move around, right? And, Another important thing to define, because we've seen this happen too, is the difference between a stop uh, market order, like a stop loss, and a stop limit order as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those things can change. We've seen people... Uh, do you know what the issue is here, Dan? Are there certain simulators that don't use stop limits or like don't have that option? Well, it depends. So some platforms, that's their... Um, the stop limit is going to be like their... Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Their their go to that's not the term. Mm -hmm. uh, the standard, not the standard, but you know what I mean. Uh, I'm having a total brain fart. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Um. Anyhow, so it's a stop limit. But for a stop limit to get traded, it has to move a certain way. A certain amount has to be filled, and people get missed on fills when they're trading limit orders because if the market keeps moving and goes through that, you're going to get missed. So a stop market is going to guarantee you a fill. So that that would be the one thing that I just sit here and say any day of the week and when you set any sort of stops in place, make sure you're using a stop market versus a stop limit. You're going to get your fill, you're going to be protected. With um, the lone exception being and don't trade then anyway. If you are trading in a very thin illiquid market. We talked about as we talked stops last week, uh, then you have to be careful that you're not a, don't find yourself in this situation, but say you were trading a uh, off, not on the run contract of something, you could conceivably puke a huge amount using a stop market. Mm -hmm. That's why the stop limit exists. But we see people use a stop limit, uh, then not get filled on it, and then kind of wonder confusion. why it's not getting filled. And I get yes, that. It's just confusion. And I will say this, you know, when you're trading a market like NASDAQ, I think NASDAQ's a prime example. Uh, it's gotten a lot of notoriety notoriety over the last few years. It's really kind of ramped up its volatility strictly because we've seen volume kind of peel off in that market. So when you're trading a market like that, what I would say, every platform has it. 
Uh, if you're in Tradeavate, Tradeavate actually has a great little access to this where you can click buy and sell at market. But every platform has those keys, those options where you can click buy and sell at market. That to me is where you're going to get guaranteed fills. You're not going to be worried about slippage. All that stuff goes away. You're just getting, if you're selling, you're buying at the offer. And if you're, if you're buying, I said, if you're buying, wait, if you're buying, you're buying at the offer. If you're selling, you're selling at the yes. bid. There we go. Um, so you're just, you're sacrificing one tick. And truthfully, if one tick is going to be an issue, um, you got bigger bones to fry. You got more concerns going on. If one tick is going to make or break you, I will have, I'm happy sacrificing a few ticks within my trading if I'm in a market like NASDAQ. So that's my biggest thing. Manually do it. It's going to be quicker. You're going to get more realistic fills in the sim and that when you go live, it's actually going to trade the way you traded in sim. Yeah. Uh, quick trader lingo thing there because I remember when I started uh, professionally, even though we were on the screens, people were very big sticklers because it's very important the way things are phrased. And I could see the way your wheels were turning there. Uh, to keep things clear, when you're buying something, you pay X for that something. And then when you're selling, you sell X at whatever price. So four is buy at is sell. I got a house full of dogs today. If you guys can't hear already. Um, I, I got a baby lurking somewhere. Is Mick <laughs> over there already? Mick is working out of my house. If you guys know our risk manager, uh, my dog and his dog are here having a good time. Nice. Well, um, speaking of Mick, um, now we've established some of the things in brackets. We can talk about some interesting things because I feel like what happens is we harp on this or we have tried to. And I don't know if folks don't believe us or I'm not sure what's going on there or, or maybe that they're special. So what we did was we got a live account and a simulated account and ran the same orders in each. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically with, because we had gotten questions about people's performance, like uh, someone was running, you know, six by six bracket orders, uh, six tick loss, six tick profit limit in the NASDAQ and doing fine the simulator. And then it was not working at all when they went to the live market. So, so we figured we would try this ourselves. So Dan, can you guess what happened? We got rejections in live and we got fills on, uh, on the sim money was made in sim money was lost in live and this is stuff we're going to get out to everyone so everyone can see it to just kind of help you with your trading because to me the biggest thing it's not about like trying to kind of we can talk about it all day long but when you see this stuff um you can actually well, I, experience it i'll just say the numbers we made three identical trades in the nq one contract each in live and sim at the same levels that traded at the same time and the sim and these bracket orders made six ticks on the identical trades and the live account lost 23 ticks so on just three single trades there's a 29 tick difference in profit that is completely fake i mean the real the real live one is what's going to happen and it, it was shocking to me that something like that, that it was that extreme. Maybe we got a little bit of, you know, luck or some bad ones there. But the principle holds. Uh, trading like that is just not going to work in real life. No, it's not. And the, the reason Jack and I are talking about this is because 
you know, we want successful traders when they're live. That's super important. But also, like, when you're not, whether you're trading with us or not, anywhere you go, like, when you get into the simulator, when you start to find something that you think is working, and if it doesn't work live, you know, you don't want to keep running through that cycle. Like, I got it back in sim, uh, but when I get live, I get kind of in my head. I know that's a common conversation that we all have. But, mm-hmm. hey, sometimes it's not with you. It's truly with the tools that you have. And how do you work around that, making sure that you're teaching yourself ways to be successful live? And that's the most important thing. Like I said, I don't care if it's with us or you're in your own brokerage account. I want any trader learning in a simulator to be teaching and learning and experiencing ways that they're going to trade while they're live. So for me, I'm always in, I'm a buy and sell at market kind of guy. That's how I go about it. I'll run a catastrophic stop a lot of times if I'm going to sit in a trade for a bit or if I'm getting away. But that to me is the most important thing. And yes, luck, candles always. I've got them all over the house. Um, oh, wow. That's some nice mood lighting there. I'm a big candle um, guy. And I can hear in my head right now, because we often get comments um, from the scalpers, the aficionados of those strategies out there, who will suggest that this is just being anti-scalper. I have nothing inherently against trying to do that if you can do it. But like we said, I would just suggest doing those strategies, I mean... They've made those micro contracts for something like that to try. Uh, I don't, I don't think anything that resembles a scalping strategy you can do on a simulator and then expect to have success in the market. So it might as well, if you're hell bent on doing it, just start doing it with one lots of micros and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you're going to learn if it actually works. Absolutely, and if it works great. And we got some comments in here too about it. I mean, and. Like I said, this is something we're going to share out with everyone because we want people to see this. This is important stuff to kind of learn about. Um, and PD, uh, and I'm thank you for uh, welcoming back. You'll see me still every Thursday. Um, he said he's seen it. He's seen the difference for real. So, I mean, we're not the only ones talking about this. These are things we see. And at the end of the day, trading in a simulator is to try and get yourself ready to go live. It's not about staying in the simulator your whole career because that's never going to work. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to just become a. Uh, there, there's no prize for the uh, high simulator score. Right. If I, I'll, I'll tell you something. The other day I was messing with the simulator. I rarely ever do much in sim, and uh, I put on a couple trades, made seventy grand in about three min- three hours. And I'm like, you know, part of me is like, man, I wish I did that live. Well, no, that's just not the trader I am. I don't trade like that when I am live. But, you know. It's easy when oh, you're ne- in sim. You can yeah, I can run happens. my balances through the roof. Yeah, I, I, I during uh, COVID, I shared I think with the band of traders some like a consecutive uh, set of trades I made um, on a simulator that were just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I also fully realized I would have never made them in real life because they were just complete. I had zero fear of holding them. You know, whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean. It's important to start with small real money, even if you're doing other strategies. But I think we're just trying to increasingly, and there'll be more communication on it, get out the word that like, if you're doing this, just do yourself a favor and don't. Or if you don't believe us, <laughs> try it in micros. Yeah, we got a great question here from Sarah. I do want to kind of clarify this. She says, when you're when you're saying scalping, you're talking about like three points. Is that considered scalping? Sarah, I'll tell you this, every scalping, does not have a perfect definition. 
to me, when I got into the industry, they, I was taught scalping was 10 ticks in the bonds. So making $310 was scalping uh, on a one lot, right? We were, we would call it, we're scalping yeah. 10 lots. That's how we would do it throughout the day. Um, just to be blunt, that's how we made our lunch money. We would scalp 10 lots all week long as like, hey, we're watching the market move. Hey, scalp a 10 lot. Let's see if we can pay for lunches this week. That's how we went about it. So scalping is a little different to everyone. Essentially, the true definition of scalping, it comes down to quick, quickly entering and exiting market based off of momentum. Um, where you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, and you're over trading. You're not actually trading the science of the market. You're trading, you're just trying to catch those quick moves to lock in some quick profits. Um, the, that's yeah, the definition is going to depend on the product too. And there probably is a different, I think it's important for me to state too, I have never been a scalper, mostly because at, at the professional level, and maybe someone could find this, like, computers do that and there are people far smarter than i who have figured out how to do that as far as market making but i i assume that there are people out there who have good scalping strategies but i think they're different from there's a difference between scalping and and market making if you're a pure trying to be a pure market maker as a human like you're just trying to get in there and buy and sell offers right out of it I'm a guy who like, I'll believe evidence. If you can show me that you can do this consistently, I'll, I'll eat my words, but I just don't, I just don't see how it's possible. We all grew up hearing the story of John Henry, right? When he was good Steel at driving man. He was good at driving those nails and, uh, or those stakes into the, uh, into the railroads. Right. And then the machines came by and he was trying to beat the machines. And that's what you're trying to do in scalping. You're trying to beat a machine. It's not going to happen. I mean, you can do it in short term, which is great. You know what? Some, especially when you're learning, get in there, put some stuff on, put it off, kind of learn a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're not going to beat the machines. The machines are out here sitting on bids and offers. And because they can trade, they're manipulating queue position too mm-hmm. by just, I, I used to work for a company that was involved in, in market making like this. I think what you have to understand is even if you're intently looking at this, the computers are looking at dozens of uh correlated products and figuring out what's correlated that's going to move it exactly to the millisecond and they're jumping in and out to make sure they're at the front of the queue or close to it and a human being cannot do that no you can't and also something to even add to this too these companies out here like jack's talking about they actually pay extra fees and like these guys that are doing citadel exactly they're stationing their offices as close as humanly possible to where the exchanges are based just to get that like extra micro, 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 milli, milli, milli second faster than anyone else. I mean, that's their offices are placed in like, we think we have fast internet, right? We we're pretty good, but I can tell you there's always going to be that minute delay. Even if it's not, you can't see it with your eyes. These guys are setting up into the, that's why there are so many offices over at the Board of Trade and over by the CME building. They're trying to stay right in that hub because they get faster connection to it. I could say that in 2013 to 2015 time, there were places in Chicago paying $50 million a year for internet connections. Mm-hmm. That's still happening. Um, 
it still is. It's moved a little bit more towards information stuff. I talked about this at Foundations a little bit because par partly because the speed stuff is a little played out even for the big boys and girls because um, they've kind of reached, unless you have, uh, you know, quantum computing or figure out something crazy, we've kind of reached the limit. You're kind of fighting over scraps at that point. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we got a little bit off topic here, <laughs> but we, I guess what we want to say is, to me, what a, a scalping strategy would be a little more room than that but maybe something that's, you know, short duration, more sensitive. You're noticing something that happens, or at least that's how I imagine it, because I don't do it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and everyone, you know, everyone to everyone, scalping is a little bit different. I, that's why scalping is a tough, such a tough word to use. When I say quick, you know, you can count it. You, you can count how long you're in a trade. If you're in a trade and you can easily just count the amount of seconds that you're in it, whether it's 5, 15, 20, 30, 40 seconds, to me that that's where you're getting a little quick. Um, you want to let these things play out. Um, these markets are going to bounce. You know, they got a heartbeat. So they're going to ebb and flow. And it's just a matter of getting in on the high and buying, selling that, like catching those moves down or catching those moves up. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So that's all we're saying. And that we probably need to figure out, I don't think we have the power to start. We need to figure out probably a new word for scalping at some point. <laughs> I, just, right. I, I just feel weird saying that like 20 times a day. Well, and that's little... like, to me, that's why I struggle with the term scalping because I was taught it was 10 ticks in the bonds. Like 10 ticks yeah. in the bonds is an hour long trade. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, just be careful with your bracket orders. Know the difference between a stop uh, market loss and a stop limit loss and which one's going to leave you hanging and which one's going to um just hit the bid or uh lift the offer automatically mm -hmm. and you know just think critically about your trading and look at what works but what works in real life Absolutely. i guess that'd be my best advice here dan so that's all I got. I know you want to go snowmobiling soon yeah i'm uh, hitting the road as soon as uh, the day ends headed north with mick our risk manager here. We're going up. Going to do a little snowmobiling. Oh, I hope somebody's uh, watching the risk profiles tomorrow. Oh, yeah. We got it. We're covered. Okay, cool. Good. Or else, yeah, that's how we blow everything up right there. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be a weird one. Uh, cool. We'll have fun doing that. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be releasing this if you're listening online on uh, iTunes sometime tonight. So, uh, yeah, leave a rating. Download it. Or if you don't, that's cool too, man. We're just trying to hang out and drink some pamplemousse. <laughs> there you go so and jack you have a nice weekend dadding it up and uh hopefully you guys are able to uh enjoy your weekend as well i am i think i'm gonna go try and uh hit up the steam room tonight clear up my sinuses a little bit there you and go and then go back to the you know dad stuff so very uh, dad of you to do i know <laughs> so uh, have a good one everyone out there we'll be back next week uh until then hogue will be back at 3 p.m for the recap each day at three so stay safe trade safe namaste and trade well y'all Limit Up Podcast is a presentation at Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com. Try a trading combine if that's your thing. We think it's a safe way to trade. But if not, it's free to listen to the podcast. But we'd love it if you rate us and review us. See you soon.